Hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. If you are interested in working with me or one of the coaches, head over to esgfitness.co.uk. That's the ad for today's episode. I hope you enjoy this excellent Q&A with Claire. Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I've got Coach Claire with me. Hi Claire, how are you? I'm very good, Emma. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. (laughs) I'm very excited to be here. And we've got some freaking awesome questions. I saw you on your spin bike earlier. How was that? Oh, yeah. I feel that this is one of the easiest ways for me to get something in right now. Because obviously he's breastfeeding, which is he sometimes he can be on me every hour so it's really hard to get stuff like workouts in or anything but because I've got my spin bike as soon as James gets home he takes him for a little bit and I can just jump on there and do like a hard half hour and that's made me feel like a hundred times better just doing that right now I've been to the gym a few times but it is just harder because it's half an hour to drive there half an hour to drive back whereas that's just half an hour Mm. so yeah it's been working and I guess you always think like while you're there you're probably like I should do this really quickly yeah and then you're not really present or enjoying yeah like I'm literally like quick three times ten on a machine probably like less effort than what I would do if I actually focus on those reps I'm like quick boom 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 okay next one boom 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 and then go away it's better than nothing but yeah yeah, it's oh good I'm glad you got the spin bike me too (laughs) me too okay uh right felicity Welcome back. Oh, I said in that post I went away, didn't I? Okay, my podcast. Want to say, oh, I want to start by saying I feel great on this program and I'm committed to this for life with a few tweaks for maintenance, etc. Thank you so much. It's been truly life-changing. I'll probably stay for another round to embed my habits further and will happily come back in the future should I need. Well, thanks, Felicity. Anyway, she, she says, but my question is, can you recommend anything sustainable and affordable to build on to to build on the good work established in the workout programs I have dumbbells bench kettlebells and a mat just invested in an adidas door gym no I think it potentially could be something like trxy or something maybe something like that yeah you google it i'll I'll google it anyway says adidas or gym what route can i use to build on and continue that foundational work without spending the same money permanently i don't know if she's asking for like i think she's asking for like what other equipment does she need at home yeah i think what she's got sounds really good i think i don't know how if she could get a barbell and some like a couple of plates I think that would be amazing just to get a little bit of extra load through her but then that depends what her budget is if she's thinking like 50 pounds she might not get something but I think that would be your gym is a pull-up bar oh okay that's great marketing Adidas yeah (laughs) it's a pull-up bar like quite old gym on this bar (laughs) well done adidas um yeah i agree i actually think realistically you can do anything with dumbbells if you've got a range and i would rather you 
depending on what you've already got, it's probably better to invest in more dumbbells with like heavier dumbbells than barbells yeah. only because that can be like if you want a good barbell and weight plates that's like expensive thousands right yeah oh my god that's not me that was him (laughs) (laughs) sorry if you do hear any fart sounds it's probably not claire but we can't confirm um so yeah i actually think you've got a really good setup there did you see how heavy dumbbells go up to she doesn't say that no. but I think that would be the thing I would look at is like if you're yeah. like oh, you know, I'm not really taxing my muscles as well anymore on the current dumbbells I've got then get heavier dumbbells but yeah yeah you don't really need anything else mm. I like having a few bands just the thing I was gonna like say maybe bands pulling motions especially especially I think it's quite hard to work your lats well at home especially in an overhead pulling motion if you can't do pull-ups yeah yeah definitely um, so one way could... to do that is like to put the band around the top of the door open the door and kind of straddle it and you're basically doing a lap pull yeah door. that works it's not very heavy and then also you wouldn't really want to get like I'd worry a little bit about like a really thick band because I'm pulling the thing down like you kind of like I don't know like just your door frame basically yeah but maybe by the time it got heavier then you could do pull-ups anyway yeah mm. okay that's it Beth same as Felicity absolutely loving this program my question is about squatting and ankle flexibility oh you're in the right place with Claire <laughs> I'm still squatting with raised ankles on plates what is the best ankle exercise slash stretches that I could implement into maybe my morning routine to help build flexibility I'm so jealous of people being able to squat with weight with weight and flat feet on the ground um I could post a few exercises um they're a simple one is like knee to wall you that might sound obvious now uh literally you put your foot few inches away from the wall keep the heel flat and just keep driving your knee over that big toe um to get into the wall and that's a really simple it's a test as well so you can compare each side and see how far away you can get each foot um sometimes actually the ankle mobility isn't restricting you as much as what it might you might think it could be that you just slightly change your positioning so Without seeing how you squat, I can't say, oh, why don't you try a slightly wider stance with your knees and toes just slightly more out? Because stuff like that can help. Um, And lifting shoes um, instead of the plates, because then you can actually properly grip the floor. Because I find with plates, they do help you get a little bit lower, but then it's just really easier for you then to put the weight into your toes rather than keep it back into the heels where you want it. And that just can happen because of, you know, you literally put most of the weight on your toes as much as you try to keep it on the weights. So I'd maybe see if you can get some cheap lifting shoes, which have that little heel on it. And I think you can get some for like 30 pounds now or so. They're not like a hundred pounds. Yeah, they're not like the hundred pounds you used to have to spend. I think Adidas have some like that. Um, Also, you will, this is quite a good investment. Like if you are like, gonna be squatting you will never like I've got lifting shoes fair like I don't actually wear them anymore 
but you'll never have to buy another pair. No. Like, you're never going to, because you're only going to wear them to live. Yeah. I have two. One was my first ones ever. I still have them though, and they still work. The only reason I got other ones is because the other ones were, you know, the Nike, how do you say it? Romelos or Rome? Rom- they look nice. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. just wanted to be fancy and also like Claire's a strength conditioning coach like you're allowed to be like I'm not <laughs> yeah. but anybody else it's like you you buy them you wear them for life and pass them yeah. on to you, if you want <laughs> do you remember those what were they called like dult dult cheese or something dult see they were really ugly like unbelievably ugly lifting shoes. oh I don't know there was always like everyone had those adidas like uh the black rep- and white kind of ones yeah, yeah yeah they're the ones i've got like the ones that everybody has they're like the one of the kind of older first ones ish yeah. right yeah. There, there wasn't any choice when i got mine it was like yeah. all these like ridiculously ugly ones yeah mm. and then the nike the ones i've got they came in they were really popular and expensive and then since that and most brands have them and they've got reasonable priced ones as well for it's gym goers. It? It's made it like more mainstream. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would, yeah, try knee to wall, but I will post some other exercises as well in the group. Um, And then I would potentially, without knowing what you squat like, try maybe turn your toes out slightly more and really thinking about getting your knees outside of your toes just to open up your hips a little. So that might get you down a little bit too good okay then right this is more a discussion I wanted to have have with you which like kind of sparked from this but rest periods between exercises basically the question's more around like why would you have different rest periods between exercises now obviously if you're doing more strength-based things you'll have longer rests and I know that like with your athletes like say you were doing three by five squats like you'd have what like three minutes in between yeah I'd usually say for that depends on how heavy it was if it was a lighter week it might be like 90 seconds because it might actually just be like a deload or something when it's really heavy you're probably looking at like two three four minutes depending Mm. on the load that person is so if like if it was Eddie Hall he might actually take like 10 minutes or something ridiculous because of what he's lifting so yeah it's just basically you want the full recovery you want to try and um be as fresh as you can for that exercise and the heavier you go you know the harder it is in your body so yeah and then the stimulus you want as well is different to that like hypertrophy stimulus that you want and where most let's say most people in the gym probably take about 30 seconds rest which is totally fine um if you're doing kind of like reps from eight to 12 or so um because you want to kind of have that more fatigue based workout right Um, yeah so most of like I would say the first couple of it depends on the program that you're doing but most of mine will start with something like squats or that you know like something compound where I do want slightly longer recovery something not four minutes because we're not strength athletes but like kind of two minutes range ish exactly because it's total body as well yeah exactly and then the question here was about like the shorter rest periods now 
to be completely transparent part of the reason that I do that is because of the time commitment that it would take and it's just a bit boring waiting that long between sets yeah used to be this theory so there used to be this theory that the lactate buildup that you would get had some kind of like hypertrophic effect as well so I think there was a now I can't remember it was like there's three three elements it was like maximal muscle recruitment which requires going close to failure the lactate buildup and then something to do with like increased levels yeah it might even like increased levels of uh either growth hormone or testosterone or something with that but actually that part seems to be kind of dispelled yeah it's like the volume aspects right which we know is probably the most important part so overarching for hypertrophy like volume is going to be the most important aspect yeah. so it's like the total amount of weight that you lift um and if you have longer recovery you're probably going to increase your volume right so if the you only had 30 second break between two sets but that meant like instead of getting your 10 reps you only got eight reps then actually you would have been better taking two minutes but then you might not get as close to failure and then maybe you're yeah. not putting as much of the muscle and like not those bigger motor units so basically there's there's kind of like arguments for and against a lot of these things which is why I'm not a massive fan of like I don't want you to like pedantically time your rest periods like I don't care if you take (laughs) I don't care if you take uh like a little bit longer between certain rest periods um if you feel like you need to be recovered more and then realistically most of us aren't taking training like that seriously so like sometimes I might get a text in between and be like oh I ended up taking two minutes but normally I'd take 30 seconds like I'm not like that serious now obviously if you are hey you might get a 0.1% better results and and that's fine and great and I kind of would recommend turning your phone off or just putting it on silent so you can actually mainly because that's just good to switch off from your phone rather than you like getting better physical results from it um but yeah I wouldn't like I wouldn't overstress as as someone who's not like an elite athlete kind of thing about rest periods yeah I would agree because like even some of the athletes like I'll work with unless I program a number sometimes the number isn't optimal for them and then they could go around their sets and reps quite fast Mm -hmm. which isn't obviously what you want but it just happens sometimes I'd say go when you can like I think that's probably the best what I do like doing with my session structures is having more strength-based compound at the start so the reps are slightly lower so then maybe breaks are slightly longer but you're hitting that area of like um, training but then the end bit is more higher reps last reps so then you're getting a bit of everything um yeah that's generally how I program yeah I think that works quite well programming like Claire but it also (laughs) means as well that you've got like full body you've got if and like this might just be me but tends to be most people I train as well like my concentration is so much better at the start and by the end of a session I'm a little bit like like, I'm kind of ready to leave now if I'm doing cable bicep curls and I take a 30 second break to just get the last set done like that makes very little difference if I'm at the end of the session doing heavy deadlifts and then I'm like I'll just leave 30 seconds and go again like that could end an injury much less likely to happen with like an assistance type exercise with a smaller muscle group yeah definitely yeah okay 
I have a question about eating less meat and dairy, but still keeping protein high. Prior to counting calories and trying to hit 90 to 100 grams of protein, I used to eat a lot more plant-based. However, I struggled to get that amount of protein under the 1600 calories without adding animal protein. I had thought I was going to eat, uh, I had, sorry, I had thought I was eating enough protein, but I was only averaging about 50 grams a day. So I introduced more chicken and fish just to make life easier at the start. However, as I'm starting to think about maintenance, I would like to go back more to a plant base, but want to ensure that I keep protein high. I already have vegan protein powder and enjoy tempeh and tofu, but would be grateful if the coaches have any tips. I'll still include the odd bit of animal protein here and there, like whey bars and meat and fish when eating out. I'm guessing as I increase calories, I'll have more to play with and can include more beans and pulses, but um, but you need to eat a fair amount of those protein requirements. So grateful for your tips. Thanks in advance. You're so right about like beans, legumes, pulses. Like one, I don't think we have enough of them in our diets. Like I think that they're actually such an important thing that we often miss out, but they're not a great source of like lean protein like you need to eat like a lot of chickpeas and they're not a full of amino acid spectrum so you want to have like a bit of chickpeas but also some lentils and also a bit of something else to kind of get that full amino acid spectrum um you can absolutely do this so I eat in a very similar way to what you're describing here like I don't eat a lot of meat but I and this is something I wanted to discuss actually so it's a good point I think like people love a label, right? So people would be like, oh, I thought you were a vegetarian. And like now and again, I'll eat chicken because I actually really enjoy chicken. Now I don't want to eat a lot of it. So I tend to eat it when I'm out. But I also think we, it's a good example of um, glorifying extremes again of, you know, like what's actually way more impressive is if you can eat one biscuit because you fancied it and then stop, or you can eat like, a little bit of chicken because you fancy it but generally you know you want to have a largely plant-based diet because that's what's in line with your values and that's the impact that you want to have on your carbon footprint or like what for whatever reasons you're doing it but I actually think the ability to be like I'll just have a little bit now and again when I feel like it is way more impressive than being like I'm a vegan and I would never touch blah 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 now if you have other reasons for doing that, like animal cruelty reasons or, you know, whatever, like I'm not judging anybody's reasons, but I think I noticed that people don't like, or they'll leave a comment or they don't really like it when I'm like, oh yeah, like I still eat chicken now and again. It's just very rare. Like I maybe would eat chicken five times a year now, as opposed to like five times a week, you know? And like, if everybody ate chicken five times a year as opposed to five times a week, we'd have you know like way less of a carbon footprint chicken's quite a bad example because it's not so bad but like steak for example um so that's one point I want to make and then with this I would say one thing that you've not mentioned that I eat quite a lot of is eggs now I know they are animal based um and it kind of depends on like the reasons that you're doing this and you mentioned like you want to eat less meat and dairy so I would ask first like why because if it's because you think it's healthier, it's not. If it's because of your carbon footprint, I'd have a little look at, there's a really amazing graph that Hannah Ritchie um, produced for the company that she works for. 
and it shows like the carbon footprint of each food that you're consuming and dairy is actually quite low so if it's like for environmental reasons you might think oh actually dairy is a really easy way for me to get in protein it's also really good for your health so i would probably keep that in um so i think there would be the discussion of like why are you doing it same with eggs quite a low carbon footprint um so i eat quite a lot of dairy and i eat quite a lot of eggs um which makes it a lot easier other suggestions uh you've said tofu and tempeh what else do i have that i actually think on top of that it's mostly for me eggs and 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 like whey or like high protein yogurts so yeah come back to us if like with the reason why you're doing it now there are like a ton of other protein sources this is completely doable but it does like i think it would be short-sighted to say it doesn't take more work like it does take more conscious effort if you're like i i want to be for example like vegan and stay within these calories and hit protein is it doable 100 percent, yes i've had numerous clients doing that but is it harder 100 percent, yes like you need to be a bit more careful with the food choices that you're making um do you have any other off the top of your head like good protein sources not really sorry I don't know if you can hear that outside my window um no I think maybe other things that I'll add in is maybe like protein bars or something mm -hmm. like that's I don't think I think that's the only thing that you've I said think, or jerky think, but then that's me <laughs> oh, do you know what I would add in <laughs> dried out <Or> meat. <laughs> okay Great, great input there. <laughs> um, I, I feel like there's something really obvious that I'm missing. I don't... Oh, did we say corn? Tofu and tempeh. No, yeah. you, you said tofu and... What was the other one you said? Tempeh. I don't know if I've had that before. I might try it. Yeah, Like, corn's pretty good. It's relatively yeah. lean, you get a decent amount of protein in it. I like tofu and I like tofu if you cook it with some like corn flour and make it crispy and add some like paprika that's really nice mm. makes it really yummy because you know it's quite bland so usually it's such a strange thing it doesn't really taste of anything exactly it of something but yeah it's like, the taste is nothing so when you put it in like a stir fry it's actually okay because the stir fry has flavor but if you eat it by itself it's like nothing so I like to have it with like the corn flour and some paprika. So it actually tastes something, which is really nice. Chef Claire. Yeah. But it is quite good. It's a bit like a sponge, isn't it? Like sucks yeah. in flavor. Mm, great. Okay, Michelle. I'm not even sure if this is a question, to be honest, or whether it's a problem. Why is it when you start to type something out, you realize it's ridiculous? Right, let's, let's delve. Okay, when I'm on it um, and tracking calories slash planning food, I find it hard to let myself eat the 1,700 calories. I always want to sit about two to 300 calories under to feel like I've had a successful day. And I'm wondering if this is what leads to my all or nothing approach. I think some of it falls down to thinking if I mistrack something or pick at the odd thing, then I'm covered. Or maybe I don't believe if I eat 1,700 calories a day, I will lose weight. 
but I am 90 kilograms, so I likely would. Yes, you would. And that's why I've set your target as 1700 calories. Um, but I also get your thought process a little bit of like, oh, I know calorie tracking is not that accurate. So if I just, you know, I'm a little bit under, then surely I'll definitely be in a deficit. But then it does sound like it's too hard for you to stick to. Anyway, um, I'm on day six of tracking daily and not quote unquote messing up, which is probably getting close to the point of cocking things up for several days before I overhaul everything again and feel like I'm starting again. But I'm trying to ignore that story that I'm guilty of telling myself. So one, firstly, well done for writing this out because I think even writing this out has probably been quite useful to you and you almost have come to your own conclusion of like, huh, maybe it's because I'm going way under my calories that then I end up, you know, feeling quite restricted after about a week and then go way over my calories. But then there is also the point of, and it's probably a combination of both these things, it's a story you're telling yourself and then what will likely happen is you're a bit hungrier one day because you are in quite a big deficit. So you go a little bit over your calories. Now, on average, you're probably still in a deficit, right? Like judging from where you are, like even if you ate 2000 calories one day and you probably think, oh, well, I've absolutely ruined it. I'm willing to bet you would still be in a deficit on that day if you're getting your steps in at 90 kilograms. So you've not ruined it because you've gone over your calories. Um but then the story that you tell yourself that you have leads to then continuous overeating and then thinking, oh, and then a couple of days later, you're like, I better get started again. So I think one, the realization that you are probably in about a 500 calorie deficit. So, you know, and also even if you went over that for one day, it's your average calories over time that are going to dictate fat loss. So it's more your response to going over your calories. That's the issue, not the fact that you've gone slightly over calories. And secondly, it does sound like you're restricting a little bit too much. And I would challenge you to stick to, let's just say a bracket of 1600 to 1700 calories. Give yourself that little bit of a leeway, but don't, don't go under 1500 calories any day. And I'm willing to bet your adherence would be significantly higher. It kind of sounds just as if the whole diet industry is taking hold of her as in less is better like so when she's actually going for it she thinks well if I'm going for this I need to have as little as possible for it to actually work that kind of sounds like what's happening there whereas yeah like what you're being set here you know Emma is really good at what she does (laughs) so she would (laughs) she wouldn't set something that she wouldn't think would you know wouldn't work and wouldn't be ideal for you as well so but that sounds as if what's happening is like the mindset of diet culture of less is better oh oh <laughs> well we've got something there um yeah I think that's probably exactly what's happening and I think it's really and I completely get the logic of this, but if you're like, oh, I, I understand energy balance now because I've been listening, great. So if I eat less, I'll lose more fat. And technically, like, you know, if you create a bigger deficit, you will lose more fat. So I can see the logic of, okay, then I'll eat less, lose fat quicker. What's the issue there? But the issue is you're not a robot. And in, you know, in reality, and the other thing that happens here is that you do get away with that for a few days. So often you're like, oh, well, actually this just works for me. I can just drop my calories lower, but it always catches up with you at some point. And then you end up overeating. And then on average, 
you've created actually a smaller deficit or not a deficit at all because you've overeaten to the extent that you've eaten out of your deficit and then you don't lose fat and then you're putting in all this effort and this is a horrible cycle to get into because you drop your calories really low which is hard so you've put in as much if not more effort but you've not got a result whereas if you actually just put it like basically pace yourself so put in less effort but ongoing you end up creating a bigger deficit over time and losing more body fat so it's technically less effort each day but you actually get a result versus putting in a ton of effort beating yourself up for overeating and being stuck in this cycle where you never really feel good because actually overeating to that extent as well doesn't is not actually enjoyable you've just got this kind of like guilt eating that isn't isn't fun for anybody and I can't remember I think it was oh no it was one of my one-to-ones that was messaging me yesterday actually and was like I've overeaten and I'm annoyed because I didn't even enjoy it you know like it wasn't like I went out for a really nice meal and and you know what the dessert looked amazing so I, I had it and I know I've gone way with my calories I'm like in those situations I'm like do you know what good like you you went out you enjoyed it it sounds like it was incredible like you were going to eat a little bit of the apple crumble but it was so good that you ate it all fine if you're sitting at home eating like dry crackers or like something you know like oh there's like a bit of old bread in the cupboard so I ate it because like no that's not like that's not worth it and that was basically what she was saying she was like the food I ate wasn't even worth it like I, I I just was so tired and it's like right okay let's learn from it draw a line under it know that when you're tired that's when you're most likely to then overeat so we can make a plan for next time um but yeah, I think this this kind of cycle is really common. And the analogy I like to use for this is it's like running a marathon. That's how you need to think about your calories. So at any point during the start of the marathon, you'd be like, I could run faster than this. And I know that if I run faster, I'll get to the end quicker and I'll get a better marathon time. So logic would be like, well, then sprint because you'll get there quicker. But you won't be able to maintain that right? Much like you won't be able to maintain your very low calories and then you'll have to stop on your route to the marathon. So it's like, you need to pace your marathon. You also need to pace your calorie intake. And I think that's quite a good way to think about it. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely, um, it's, I just think it makes it more of an enjoyable process. And like the whole point of commit to six as well is to make it a healthy life-based change so I think it's realistic isn't it yeah good all right okay Zoe I possibly asked this on my check-in but how does committed work I'm assuming you just carry on from commit to six but then what if you can't afford one month if you drop off can you jump right back on back onto committed at a later date or do you need to join back onto commit to six so the way that committed works is it's the continuation of commit to six so the only real thing that changes is that you get updated workouts and then you'll also have your check-ins now on a Wednesday instead of a Friday to be completely transparent that's just because there's only so many check-ins that we can do so they need to be split up um but nothing else changes you get the same support you're in the same group here we just update things and you get you know like we'll still change things as and when is needed based on your goals Second part of that, if you leave committed, you need to rejoin commit to six because there's no onboarding to committed. Basically, like we need to know your targets again. We need to see where you're at. We need to see what your goals are. I need to set those for you. Committed is like the ongoing 
program, which is slightly cheaper than commit to six because there is no onboarding to it. So there's slightly less work initially for us to do. Um, so no, you can't just like leave committed and then come back to committed. You need to wait until the next commit to six intake to come back. Okay, um, Sharon. Hey, lovely Emma, also back from Spain and longing to go back. Strangely, and very unlike the gannet that I usually am, I have had zero appetite since coming back from holiday, barely reaching my protein target. Will this affect muscle protein synthesis slash, slash maintaining muscle? And what should I do? Ride with it and hope it sorts itself out or force myself to eat some to get something down. Um, this depends on the magnitude of how low your protein is. So if you're like, oh, I've got 100 gram protein target and I'm getting about 80 grams, but I'm still splitting them up into like three to four servings a day of at least 25 grams, I'm like, it's probably going to make almost no impact whatsoever. If you're like, oh, now I'm only getting 50 grams of protein, I'd be like, let's get that up to like 80 grams. Um, So hopefully that kind of answers that. I wouldn't like massively overstress about it, especially in terms of maintaining muscle, both from like anecdotal perspective and what the research seems to suggest as well. In terms of protein requirements, but also um exercise or resistance training requirements to maintain muscle you actually don't need to do that much and I've noticed that in myself that sometimes there'll be periods of time where I've got like loads on or I'm just not feeling the gym that much I'm like wow I've cut my gym sessions down from like 40 to 60 minutes to 20 minutes and I look exactly the same <laughs> and I've been doing that for months and, it, and then you think oh I wonder but I think it's it's that once you've built muscle, it's much easier to maintain it. And there was some research on kayakers, I think, and they dropped their training volume to 25% and noticed no difference in strength. Now that's not the same as hypertrophy, but strength is kind of easier to measure with like a short-term study because it's quite hard to measure exactly without doing like a muscle biopsy or something. And with that, I don't know, like it's it's much harder to measure I guess you would use like a ultrasound or something, right? For muscle. Like muscle mass. Yeah. Potentially that. Could even just be like circumference. Mm. But you would the... think like, when you think about the limitations of these studies, what, it's going to be like six weeks, eight weeks, three yeah. months if you're lucky? You're probably not going to see that much. And then you think of like measurement error, yeah. like probably within that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Stephanie, I have a question about reps per set slash workout, please. Does it matter if I have a break, if I have to break uh, 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 the reps into smaller blocks as long as I have the total reps recommended in the workouts? For example, I did straight arm pull downs at the weekend. Workout said two sets of 10, but I reached failure at five. So I had a quickish rest and then did another five. Is this okay or should I reduce the weight? Reduce the weight. I want you to stick as close as possible to the rep ranges. What she's doing is actually cluster training. Yeah, like I had a question like similar to this on the EC method. Now it's like, you're basically doing rest pause. She's yeah. like, I'm a set. Sometimes I do like, I don't know, like seven reps and then I just have like five seconds break and then I do the last three and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like, you could, if that was programmed in, 
like and now and again I think I have programmed it for committed a few times where they'll do like three sets of 10 and then on the last set it's like an extra three times five but it's like five reps five seconds break five reps five and it's just to like fully fatigue that muscle but that's not what I want you to do on the straight arm hold especially actually how long she's resting if it's like two seconds I'd be like there's a quick ish rest if it's like 30 seconds Mm. then definitely reduce the yeah I even think for that movement yeah it shouldn't be like it's because it's not like a strength no well well, I guess it is but it's like more assistance based I would lower the weight I would say for something like that lower the weight if it's like a squat then you can program it where you would do like a rep or two reps rest 20 30 seconds well 10 20 30 depending on what your goal is then go back and do one or two and then rest again go back and do one or two that's just another way to get different strengths strength and velocity kind of based stimulus which is actually really good and I like them but not for tricep exercises um yeah I quite like that especially with deadlifts because I think yeah I noticed this and partly it's probably poor coaching or people that don't have coaches there watching them but often when you see people deadlift it's like every rep is your form is getting worse yeah yeah like you know do two reps and then have five seconds that means you have to reset yourself re-get in like the right position and then go again yeah Hmm. okay um allison hi after a conversation with some friends one of them made a comment about bulking agents and vitamins making you put on weight is this true i take vitamin d omega-3 and b12 each day and combined with zinc and magnesium each night could you please explain bulking agents what they actually do in vitamins please no that's not true i mean there might be like i would imagine certainly no more than like five calories in any kind of like vitamin bulking agent it's really just and to be totally honest I think they're like emulsifiers but it's basically just to like make it into a pill you know like there's not like a ton of extra shit in your vitamins it's just like not enough to take you over a calorie (laughs) certainly not enough to take you over a calorie target but like what they're doing there is because like I don't mean I don't even know what vitamin d looks like it's basically to just to make it into a pill format that's why there's emulsifiers in them or like omega-3 it's like well okay well what's the you know like it's liquid right but it's inside a thing a pill thing that has to be made of something but it's certainly not what's making you put on weight it's fucking wild what people say now isn't it like, oh, do you know what might be putting making me put on weight? The bulking agents in my hands. <laughs> like, um, oh, like you li- like that's one of the best ones I've heard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you start to track your vitamins, I think that's I don't know, that that's going down a path that you you sh- yeah. Yeah, the what sorry, I better reduce my calories by five because I'm taking the vitamins. Omega three yeah do have some calories I think it's like mm, I guess like if it's one gram of omega-3 it's probably about nine calories because one gram of fat um but the rest of them it's like pretty freaking negligible yeah Yeah. okay Felicity 
am I allowed a sneaky second question? Yes. I'm <laughs> training for a marathon as well. And I'm starting to notice increased hunger on the days I do longer run, longer runs. I currently do eight miles. Should I increase my daily calories on those days or the days before to allow for energy expenditure? Also, any tips for fueling whilst on a long-term fat loss journey? Thoughts? Um, I would say that initially, I'd say maybe try and see if you can work with what you've got. So maybe move your, if you're feeling hungry and you feel you want to fuel your workout, then try and work with your calories initially and see if you can maybe eat something around your workout to make you mentally feel a little bit better about it um that could be like maybe more base like more of a carbohydrate based snack before maybe protein snack after but if if you still want to be in a calorie deficit then I would try just to move shift stuff around but if that doesn't work and you really feel like you're kind of not getting the most out of your marathon and you maybe do need a little bit more then maybe that's when you could add maybe like something small like 100 200 calories because you're probably burning less than what you think um and then during I would just say you can get like zero calorie sports drinks now which just give you like the electrolytes you need to keep you know efficient muscle contractions if you're going for a long duration over an hour, I'd say you could potentially drink that. If it's less than an hour, then there isn't much you need to take on during that workout. Um, it is interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's partly like sports nutrition marketing that are like, oh, you know, you'd need like this full sugar leucosades to go for a 5K. And you're like, you've just consumed more calories than you've expended in your leucosades. Exactly, yeah. And if fat loss is your goal, that's not a good idea yeah you could you know like obviously those eight miles are going to add to your energy expenditure if you're doing those eight miles say for example on top of your already ten thousand steps that day then you could like yeah okay i'm gonna burn some extra calories maybe i will have like the 200 extra calories one to 200 extra calories with maybe in the form of some carbs beforehand or something but like claire's saying it's probably not like as impactful as what you might think and in relation to should I increase my calories that day or in the day before this is kind of up to preference to an extent so as an example if I was going to get up and go for an eight mile run I would have a bigger slightly bigger slightly carbier meal the night before I'd probably do it faster to be honest because that would be my preference like I don't really like eating before any kind of cardio exercise or like not eating a lot anyway especially not if it was in the morning if it was like later in the day then you might be like okay I'll have a bit of a bigger lunch today because I know after work I'm going for that run um but where people do tend to trip up is this overestimation of how many calories you burn doing exercise um less slightly less so with endurance because obviously eight miles is going to burn some calories for sure and especially as that that starts to creep up the closer you get to the marathon um but I think sometimes almost subconsciously you're like oh I better eat like a ton of pasta at lunchtime and then like you know you also have like a cereal bar before you run then you get home you're like well I've been for a run so I better have like a 
a big dinner and then actually you've not done that many steps today because you go in for a run and you didn't go to the gym because you've got your run and then it's like actually that that day was you know not even in a deficit because of the like slightly subconscious but well conscious but like assumption that you will be burning so many calories by doing this training run and you don't really that burn that much the other thing I found quite reassuring about this is we had Andy Jones on for EIQ so he was Paul Radcliffe's physiologist and he was the lead physiologist on the two-hour marathon record so he's like probably the best person in the world to talk about marathon performance and one of the things that was really interesting was I was like asking like okay so this group of Kenyans where like some of the best in the world are training like I was like what so what's their like nutrition like around exercise he's like oh so they they just get up and run and I was like what they said they don't have like breakfast and he was like no no it's like they get up first thing in the morning no faffing around like it's it's warm like it's not so hot that by in that point in the morning that um they can't run faster they do their longest run completely fasted first thing in the morning and then they get home and and have their breakfast and it kind of just shows like I think we're sometimes we like cover ourselves in cotton wool a little bit like in the western world yeah. it's like, oh you know but so and so's doing her couch to 5k she better have like a massive bowl of porridge before she goes it's like yeah not like and also like maybe not felicity but like you know a lot of these people that are doing like couch to 5k they're partly doing it for weight loss and also they probably have a lot of stored energy aka body fat and then you're looking at these kenyans that get up that have literally no body fat and still run fasted and still are, you know and are like running at performance levels that are like world class so do you think we've we'd probably over hype um sports nutrition for marathons it's an example of like how good marketing is and almost like when you have access to all of these miracle pills that are kind of that's how they're perceived like oh this will help you do this for longer this will help you do this faster um and then if you have the money to do it then you're willing to just spend money to get that extra boost in performance rather than just get up and go um I'm not saying anyone's doing that here but that is like kind of western culture really isn't it like looking for that extra like fat loss pill or do you know just something to cut the journey to make it easier yeah Um, yeah I would I did a tweet about this the other day and it was like the fastest way to get to your goals is to stop looking for quick fixes because there aren't any like and most people kind of like realistically know that even with the the whole like going back to like dropping your calories low like the fastest way to run the marathon is to pace yourself the fastest way to lose fat is to pace yourself you need to start thinking like longer term okay I've got all this amount of fat to lose I can't do it in a week so there's no point trying right like I've got a whole marathon to run there's no point sprinting 100 meters it doesn't make any sense right it's only going to hold me back it's exactly the same thing um okay right next question Am I allowed a cheeky second question too? Oh, yes, you are. Um, this kind of contradicts my earlier question. Okay, this is long, right? But I think I could do with a bit of tough love. I've looked back and I've realized that I've been 57 to 58 kilograms since the start of April. I'm five foot four and I'm on 1,550 calories since I started commit to six, 1,600 calories before that. I currently weigh 58 kilograms. 
I consistently do three strength workouts at the gym, yoga and ballet classes, and have last week started running 5k once a week. I'm working really hard in the gym and I'm so pleased with the muscle and strength that I'm building. I've never had biceps before, but would love to lose a tiny bit of weight before moving to maintenance just to get rid of the extra fluff, maybe five to six pounds max. Okay, so I just want to stop here to point out a few things. One, I would question whether you have five to six pounds to lose at 58 kilograms and five foot four. And also why you are using kilograms and pounds, because that's always confusing for us as coaches. Um, but like I'm five foot five and I weigh about 60 kilograms and I don't have a lot of fat to lose. Now, obviously body composition is different on everyone, but that seems quite lean to me already. So I think just like manage your expectation there of the amount of weight. And the other thing here you've said is like, I still want to lose a little bit of weight. Now you've also said, I've never had biceps before. So you have probably built a bit of muscle and, um, lost a bit of fat but you probably won't see the same weight loss because you've also built muscle at the same time so really what you want to do is lose a little bit of fat not a little bit of weight and don't equate the two quite so easily um okay then she goes on to say i feel like i've been ticking along nicely keeping pretty tight to calories but the scales have stopped moving i started at 62.2 and i was losing about half a pound per week since january yeah so Again, when you have less fat to lose and you're a smaller person, scale weight is not a very accurate measure of fat loss. Like, I mean, it isn't at the best of times, but it's even less now. And like, as an example, when I've dieted in the past, like sometimes the scales barely even change, but my body composition changes massively. Now, when you get leaner, you can't expect to see big jumps on the scales because you don't have a lot of weight to lose. So I would start taking progress photos and looking at performance markers as opposed to weight because you're not going to see much on the scales and then that can make you quite disheartened. Okay, then she goes on to, thank you and sorry for chopping and changing between weight units. Oh, <laughs> uh, for some reason my mind works in pounds, but I've been weighing in kilograms. Do you know what? That's another good trick, I think. When I put on loads of weight, with my back I didn't want to weigh in kilograms because as much as I don't have like a huge hang up on the scales I was just like that's gonna seem like because it was like over 70 kilograms right which I very rarely am like in my adult life like I think that was one of the only times I've been over 70 kilograms in my adult life and uh because I always weigh in kilograms like that meant more to me now in pounds it meant nothing to me because I never weigh in pounds. So I just started using pounds and then I was like, oh, I don't really care what this is. Plus you see it come off quicker. But I think that's quite a good mindset thing of if you are a little bit hung up on the scales and maybe you have this thing of like, oh, when I was 20, I weighed 60 kilograms, blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes just using a different measurement can be useful. Yeah. Oh, you're a bit more blind to it, aren't you? Like it doesn't really give, it's not got a, emotional attachment yeah yeah like mm. I don't know what I feel like stones is quite a popular one for people to have an emotional attachment to like my mom always goes on about stones and she's like oh I'm up at 10 stone now and I'm like to me that doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> but I yeah. feel like is that is that an older person thing as well I think I so, because my mom talks in stones as well yeah 
It's like, oh, yeah, and it's the same. It's like, oh, 10 stones, double yeah. double. Your mum's tiny. She is, and she's even tinier right now. She's actually lost some weight. She is intensity. Um, okay, PPS. For some reason, I find posting this a bit embarrassing. I'm not chasing a particular aesthetic, but I've never done anything like this targeted weight loss and strength training before and would just love to see what I can achieve before my 40th in three years. Both my babies were huge, 10 pounds when born, and it took a big toll on my body. I have excess tummy skin to show for it. So feeling really great to try and get the new slash old me back again. Do I reduce my calories lower than 50-50? I'm as consistent as possible, but I suppose there have been some family slash social days where I've gone over, but max once a week. Thanks so much. Okay, so I honestly think you've got to a point, and this happens a lot. You don't need to change anything. You just need to keep being consistent but you also need to change your expectations. You don't have a lot of fat left to lose. You're not going to see half a pound fat loss on scales per week and you're not doing anything wrong. You just don't have that much fat left to lose. So it's impossible to see that kind of stuff. Um, you need to start taking progress photos, looking at performance markers. Um, I really like pull-ups for performance markers because I just think there's no way that you'll get not getting leaner and stronger if you're doing more pull-ups. No way. And actually, if you were, for example, getting fatter and doing more pull-ups, like that's really impressive. <laughs> so it's kind of like win-win. Like that means that you're really getting stronger because you're actually becoming heavier and you're doing more reps on pull-ups. Like it's very unlikely to happen. So pull-ups are quite a good performance marker. Um, push-ups work as well, or like squat to body weight ratio, that kind of stuff works. But then you're kind of adding in weight again, which I don't love. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a change in expectation and it, and it's impressive that you've got to this point, but things change a little bit at this point where it's like you you can't use the scales really at all. Yeah. Um, anything to add? No, I think you've covered that. I think I spoke to her a little bit about it in our check-in as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's been covered. Good. Okay, last one. This one's for you. It's quite a hard one. Um, is a potato a vegetable? Is this for me? <laughs> I never thought you'd have an insight. What else would it be? It's not fruit. That's usually the debate, right? <laughs> fruit or vegetable? Oh yeah, is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? I say fruit. Got... Seeds. Yeah, it's got seeds inside. But a potato doesn't yeah, have a seeds. Potato is a vegetable. <laughs> I think, I don't know whether this is in the context of like, does it count as one of my five a day? Okay. So is it nutritionally good enough to be a vegetable? Yeah. Um. I think, I mean, I wouldn't really care if you counted it in one of your six a day because you're on commit to six and we are, you know, yeah. better than the average person. But I wouldn't mind if you counted it as one, but you can't be like, I had two. You know, like I had like a boiled potato and a baked potato and chips that's three it's like no no, no. you it's it's one like if you have yeah. a baked potato that's one vegetable is this sweet potato potato sweet potato <laughs> what would that count as a separate one uh no is, is that is that got better nutritional value um I think it does it's got slightly more calories as well but I think it's got more 
like like nutrients in it yeah and higher fiber as well so maybe that could be the type of potato you eat if you really want to include it yeah i love a sweet potato but yeah i think like one fine yeah yeah i think so yeah okay well i'm glad that we cleared that one up definitely Um, and thank you for your brain and for your excellent answers and if anyone's listening and is like, oh, I actually think I'd really like to work with Claire. She seems like a great coach. You can head over to esgfitness.co.uk, fill in the application form, and we will get back to you. Yay. Oh. <laughs>